Thanks for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. Okay, Colossians chapter 3. I think this is the climax of Colossians. Um, We've been studying it now for a few weeks. Um, Let's just read it together um, so that we're all clear. I haven't got it up on the screen, so it's to your Bibles, everyone, or to your phones. (laughs) Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 17. Or you can just listen. Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honour at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things on earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, Worshipping the things of this world. Because of these things, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malice, behaviour, slander and dirty language. Don't lie to each other for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a gentle, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Make all allowance for each other, each other's faults, and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, and you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace, and always be thankful. It's probably worth just remembering why Paul's writing uh, this message and who he's writing to. Obviously, it's pretty clear. He's writing to the church at uh, Colossae. And he's giving them a description, I think, of the people of God. The people of God united with Christ. The people of God living out of union with Christ. And uh, it's quite clear as well that he's writing from from prison. The church at Colossae was... uh, probably uh, established while Paul was uh, roaming about Ephesus and uh, there's a chap, we see, see this at the end in chapter 4 and also at the beginning in chapter 1, that there's a chap called Epaphras who probably brought the, the gospel to the people at Colossae. Now Paul's in Rome in prison and Epaphras is there with him. We could probably uh, surmise that Epaphras has probably highlighted to Paul some of the challenges that he is aware of in the church of Colossae and some of the things that they're coming up against, some of these uh, teachings that are plaguing them, some of the distractions that are coming their way, some of the the well-meaning thoughts that people have been kind of uh, seeding in the church in Colossae and which are now growing. 
so it's probably Paul's been sort of stirred to write to the church at Colossae and, and point them towards Jesus, give them a description of their, their new nature in Christ, their identity in Christ that we hear a lot about, what Christ has done for them, what it means for them, how they've been changed. And we've been reading about that in Colossians 1 and 2. And Paul's desire to make the word of God fully known. You know, he does this in Ephesians, he does it in Romans, he does it in all these scriptures. He starts by spelling out what God has done for them and what God is doing in them and the seed that he's now put in them, the new nature that they've now got. The reason why they can live differently is not because of what they need to start doing or because they need to try harder. It's birthed in what Christ has done first. So Paul's desire, and we see this in in chapter 1, verse 27, is to make the word of God fully known and to make the God that to make the people of God fully mature. We heard that this morning. One of the, the, the reasons why you know, we have preaching in church, one of the reasons we teach in church, one of the reasons we want to encourage ourselves to be part of a church is because we want to be fully mature. And Paul's desire is to present the people in Colossae fully mature. So he starts, and we can't lose track of this, and I don't want us to miss it, with... Seeing in chapters 1 and 2, as we jump into 3, Paul, the way Paul highlights the fact that we, we come out of union in Christ now. We're not different, we're not trying on our own. We come from a place of union with Christ, from a place in Christ where we are now resting, where we are now positioned. And we can't lose that. One of our biggest challenges for me, one of the biggest challenges for you, is to stay in Christ. As you, as you live your lives, one of the biggest things we're all going to experience is to, is to keep that union with Christ, to stay rooted in Christ. But people also, this is one of the biggest pitfalls for us in an odd sort of way. As we, as we land in chapter 3, it's no surprise that Paul addresses those who have been raised with Christ. In verse 1, since you have been raised to a new life in heaven... And if you're surprised by that statement or you believe that it's a bit of a technical term that's not worth your, your attention, you kind of miss the point. <laughs> and you're completely, I'm wasting my time preaching to you this morning and you're wasting your time listening. If you can't see already that you come from a place that's in Christ, it's so important. And that's why Paul spends his time in chapters 1 and 2 just laying out the foundations before he describes what the life in Christ is, he makes so clear that you come from a place that's now in Christ. You're not going to be able to do anything that he talks about in chapter 3 unless you first believe and you first trust first in the power of God to change your lives, to influence your lives, to give you peace in your lives, to make you different from what you were and to put you into a new, to give you new birth. There's so many Christians who are living trying to make chapter 3 work for them but haven't understood chapters 1 and 2. And as we jump into chapter 3 here, half, I'm guessing, if not more, of the problems and the challenges we face in our Christian lives are going to be down to a lack of understanding of what Christ has really done for us. 
and how different your lives are, not because of your trying, not because you will ever be able to make it different, but just because of everything that Christ has done for you. It's so difficult for me to overstate in words the significance of what Christ has done in your life, in giving you a new life, in changing your very late uh, nature, to make it receptive to the things of God, and giving you access to the kingdom. I can't overstate it enough in words. It's impossible. Okay, the power of God is just overwhelming. Do you remember that chap called Nicodemus in, in John chapter 3? Um, he saw Jesus, and he didn't even ask him a question, but he, he just saw that there was something different about Jesus, and that he was from God, that he uh, was different, he had this power that no one else had. He didn't even ask him a question, but Jesus said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And, and Nicodemus went away and said, no, this is stupid. What am I supposed to do? Be, get back into my mother's womb and be born again somehow? How does, how does this work? So Jesus threw another one at him. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Being born again means we're, we're now born of heaven. We're born of God. We've been changed by God. It points to what he's done. Unless one is born of water, it talks of being cleaned by Jesus. It's clean. we're, we're different. We're, we're new. We're not carrying the same nature. We're not carrying the same burdens that we did before. They've now been put on Jesus. Unless, unless one is born of the Spirit. None of these things are things you'll do by yourself. We're born of heaven we're born of water, we're cleaned by Jesus, and we're born of the Spirit. Not, not your spirit, not the spirit of this age, not the spirit in this world, not the spirit of any person who's now, you know, some people believe he's now dead, and we now believe we can hear from them. No, the spirit of God. You cannot see the kingdom, and you cannot enter the kingdom. People, you can now see the kingdom. You can now enter the kingdom of God because of what he's done and it's an amazing thing and if we don't first find ourselves in that position as we jump into chapter 3 I'll say it again we're wasting our time we've got to live out of the kingdom of God we've got to live out of what he's done in us before we move on into trying to live like God's people and that's what Paul's trying to emphasize as, as we move on so it's no surprise that he talks to you as people who are who have a new life, who have been raised in Christ. And he encourages you, therefore, to set your sights on the things of heaven, the realities of heaven, because you've got that access now. He doesn't say that because you need to try. People, go out the door, and when you get home, find a room and go, mm, and really try and hear what God is saying. no. You can hear what God's saying because of your union with Christ, because of where you're positioned now in Christ. Do you ever wonder, I often wonder, I don't know why I wonder this, I wonder what it'd be like to not be a Christian. It seems a weird thing, doesn't it? But sometimes I, I just don't, I find it hard to believe that I'm thinking the kind of encouraging things or the positive things or the 
seeing things in the world and that other people can't see it. You know, I, I'm walking around at work sometimes and I see a situation and I just think, why is no one else seeing that? Is it just me? You know, what, what, what am I seeing that you're not seeing? Why, is, why can I see that person, that person's feelings, whatever they're feeling, and, and other people can't see it? Why do I choose to do some of the things I do? Why do I see beauty in creation? Why can I stand there and look at something and think that's wonderful and other people don't? It's because of what Jesus has done in you. And sometimes I think we need to be encouraged that actually your desire to pray more, your desire to love Jesus more, your desire to be more like Jesus, is because of what he's done in you. It's because of the seed that he's put in you. And it's not abnormal. It's not a, um, an accident. It's because he loves you. And it's because he wants you. And what I'm trying to say is you can put greater trust in the stones of, your, of, of his spirit in your heart and in your mind. And some of the things that he encourages you to do, don't think that that's a bad idea. Actually, the fact that he's encouraged you to do it is a sign of the kingdom in your lives. And I want you to be encouraged by that. Oh. So, <laughs> I'm pleased we didn't get the bit about wives and husbands. I'm pleased we did that first. <laughs> so he moves into sin. And, and sin is a, sin's just there, isn't it, in the background. And it might be a revelation to some of you to know that we're still tempted by sin. And we are still going to fall into sin. Okay. You're not. I'm going to come into the rest of it in a minute before you start. <laughs> you go with that. You know, we will still sin. This is why it says in Proverbs somewhere, a righteous man will fall several times or nine times things and then rise up again. Why? Because he's a righteous man or a righteous woman. You know, God, we will fall and we will fall into sin. And it's a foolish man or woman who thinks that they will never sin. And if we thought that we would never sin, why would Paul put in these things here in Colossians 3? But we are pointed towards God's power, which causes us and helps us to overcome sin. Okay, And that's why Paul can write to us and say, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. He couldn't say that if it wasn't possible to do it. But God gives us the power over sin and makes it possible for us to become mature in Christ by overcoming sin. And we do that in verse 10 by putting on our new nature. It's, like a, it's, like a, it's, it's, a, it's a it's a reference, isn't it, to like the Old Testament where they would change their clothes, where they would they would do things differently when they came into the temple because of what they knew they were going to experience. And it's like a, an Old Testament reference to putting on new clothes. One of the, the things we need to do when we're tempted by sin is to put on our new nature, to, to put it on like a jacket and look towards Jesus. Our new nature is found in Jesus. So when we're tempted by sin, we put on the jacket 
and we, our attention moves to Christ. Our attention and our gaze goes towards Jesus. Our actions should prioritise God's word, should prioritise seeking his word, seeking after his spirit and seeing what God wants to do and what God's saying. The moment we flip back and our gaze goes towards our own efforts and our own desires to do things differently and our own kind of inability to make things and to organise things in a way that's contrary to what Jesus said, we're we're just moving our gaze away from Jesus and we're doing the opposite of what Paul's trying to tell the church at Colossae here to do. Rather than putting on the clothes of our new nature, we're reverting back to our old nature. And what is our old nature? Romans chapter 1, 25. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshipped and served the other things God created instead of the creator himself. When our gaze flips off of Jesus, we start worshipping other things. And that's the story throughout the whole Bible. People, well, that's not the main story, but we see it throughout the Bible. People whose desire, countries and nations whose desire was turned away from God, um, but also of a God who can rescue them and bring them out of darkness and into light. And that's what Paul's pointing us towards here now. It's a bit like, many of us will remember uh, what happened on the 6th of June, 1944. Anyone? D-Day. D-Day. I don't know why it's called D-Day. It's an American term, probably. Um, 200,000 Allied troops going from you know, one of the biggest invasions that the world's seen going over uh, to France. Aircraft, ships, all of it moving on. But, but not many of us remember the 8th of May, 1945, which was VE Day, Victory in Europe. You know, it's, it's over a year between D-Day and Victory in Europe Day. And it's a bit like this for the Christian. You know, we've experienced D-Day in Christ, okay? The, the enemy that is... is going to be overwhelmed. The parapets in the enemy's camp have been taken over. We've gone over, you know, Christ has sailed over the top of them and he's going to take the kingdom and he's taking the kingdom. There were skirmishes all over Europe during that year and the enemy was advancing but the Allied forces were taking them back. But it wasn't until Victory in Europe Day that Germany completely surrendered. And it's a bit like that in our lives in relation to sin, we know the enemy's defeated. We know the territory's taken. And Christ is going to come again and we'll take it all and there will be no enemy, no more. But don't think, it's a foolish person who thinks or takes their, you know, a foolish person who thinks that, you know, sin isn't going to tempt them any longer. But we look to Christ, we seek Christ and then love. So we put on our new nature and Paul does it again in verse 14. He says, above all, 
Clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. You know, we can do this in verse 12 because God has, has chosen us. You know, it's an amazing thing when we think about how, how that we turned our, our gaze away from Christ. We were no, we were, you know, we were separate from, from Christ. We were that handbag that was lost. But Christ sought us and found us. In verse 12, he chose you to be the holy people. He chose you to be set apart. He chose you to be different. And, and this is how we can live in mercy and kindness, because we choose to be different. We choose to do things different to the spirit of this age. We, we choose, unlike the, or, or, or against the challenges that the Colossi Church were experiencing, we choose to go against the spirit of this age and human thinking, as well as it might sound, and we choose to do things differently. And I've got a quote here by Martin Lloyd-Jones. I just can't find it in these notes. Ah, the glory of the gospel. Is it Martin Lloyd-Jones? I'm not getting confused with Martin Lloyd-Webber. Martin Lloyd-Jones is... <laughs> I thought I'd written the wrong one down here. I remember... As Someone said the glory, he said, the glory of the gospel is that when the church is absolutely different from the world, she invariably attracts it. It is then that the world is made to listen to her message, though it may at first hate it. You know, we're, we're chosen by God to be holy, to be the holy people that he loves. And when the world sees that, they will see that we're different. And whilst they may hate us at first, they will shortly be attracted to him, to what he's doing. I mean, I, you see this all the time. Don't you just love it when, it sometimes it's, it's like 10 minutes, sometimes it's, it's a month, sometimes it's two years. But you, you see, you get a situation in your life, I'm struggling to think of one at the moment, but you, you know that if you do it differently, if you respond to that differently, it will have a different outcome. And sometimes you see the results straight away. It's just a, a choice that you make, not to drop the litter on the floor or you put it in the bin. Um, that's a bad example, but it's a good example. But sometimes, uh, but sometimes you make choices as well, and you look back a month later or a year later or two years later, and you think, wow, that was God that made the difference there. That was God who did something differently. And when you tell other people who don't know Jesus about those situations. You know, it's really awkward, isn't it, sometimes, when you make a throwaway comment to someone and you say, I believe God's going to heal you, or I believe um, God can make a difference in that life. And then a year later, two years later, they come back and they say to you, do you remember that thing you told me? Since God chose you to be the holy people, he chose you to be set apart, to be different, to be the people he loves. I just remember a few weeks ago, and I'm going to stop here. I remember a few weeks ago um, when I was coming up to worship here, I was tuning my guitar, as I almost do at the beginning, and I felt what I thought God was saying to me, um, it's just wonderful, Tom, isn't it, that you're tuning yourself in to the Holy Spirit as you start. And I thought, that's a great word for me. Thank you, God. And then God said to me, Tom, that's the enemy speaking to you. 
And I just had to think, think again, because I was thinking in this context that I need to, need to work to, to tune myself up, to get myself ready, to prepare myself for the presence of the king himself. But we already see the kingdom. We already have access to the kingdom because of what Jesus has done. And, and as I was chewing, I just thought, God, thank you that we have access to the kingdom, that I see you, not because of what I'm doing or because of what I've done, but because of what Christ is and what he's done for us in advance, what he's prepared for you in advance for you to do good works. So we come, we live in peace, and we're always thankful. It's great that Paul always wraps things up by being thankful. Should we go into the bread and the wine? Thank you.